You've got questions, we've got answers. We're gonna go over the most asked bourbon questions, so buckle up. What's the difference between bourbon, scotch, and or whiskey? So when you're talking about whiskey, if you take a grain of any type and you ferment that grain, the product is a beer. If you distill that product, it is a whiskey. But different categories of whiskey have different rules and requirements to have that name on the label. So for instance, bourbon has to be made inside of the United States. It has to be at least 51% corn, it has to be distilled to no more than 160 proof. It has to be put in a new charred oak container and it has to be no more than 125 proof. But scotch has a whole separate set of rules for it to be called scotch. And the main one is it's gotta be made in Scotland. So while not all whiskeys are bourbons, all bourbons are whiskeys, and not all whiskeys are scotches, but all scotches are whiskeys because it's just a subcategory. Where is bourbon made? So there is a misconception out there that bourbon can only be made in Bourbon County, Kentucky. But the truth is Bourbon County used to encompass almost all of the state of Kentucky and over the years it's been broken up. And uh, I, I, for a long time, there were no distilleries that were still in what's left of Bourbon County. Um, and secondly, it doesn't have to be made in Kentucky. You can make bourbon in any state in the United States and that there's even an argument to be made that it can be made in US provinces. How do I find blends or plug in any allocated bottle name here? Um, this is an interesting one. Um, I have a whole podcast on it. So if you would like to learn about that, please go check out the podcast called How to Find and Acquire Allocated Bottles. But the abridged version is, well, you kind of can't. You can't find Blanton's. You're not going to find Pappy Van Winkle. It kind of has to find you. It has to find you through relationships. And so please, 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 my liquor store managers and friends would love it if you would stop walking in and asking the liquor store if they have Blanton's. The truth is I've been in the back of enough liquor stores to know that most of them have Blanton's or Weller 12 or Michter 10 year or whatever, plug in whatever bottle name here in the back and they're not gonna sell it to you. And they're not gonna sell it to you because those bottles have a business purpose for them and selling it to a random individual that walks in the store and says, do you have Blanton's does not serve their business purposes. And so what I would strongly recommend that you do is start to form relationships, be consistent, uh, let your presence be known, buy the things that benefit the store. You help that business out and eventually that business will help you out. There's also raffles. You can kind of buy your way into allocated bottles by having a high points count at stores that release their allocated bottles based on points. Uh, but outside of that, you're probably not gonna walk into a store and find that rare bottle. Is Jack Daniels bourbon? Well, I've done a whole podcast on this, so if you want to hear the details, go check that out. But the abridged version is, it is legally bourbon. So the bourbon, as a term, is a legal term, and it has a legal definition, and it's defined by the U.S. government. And we've talked a little bit about what that legal definition is, but Jack Daniels meets up with all of those requirements. 
Uh, Jack Daniels has an additional process that it goes through where after distillation, but before it gets put in the barrel, it goes through the Lincoln County process, which is a charcoal filtration process that removes some of the flavor compounds from the distillate, generally referred to as congeners, and they, they pull those things out before they put it into the barrel. But the legal definition of bourbon has a lot of regulation about additives, but it doesn't have much regulation about subtractive measures that pull flavors out of the bourbon. And as a result, Jack Daniels is legally bourbon, although they identify as Tennessee whiskey because of the Lincoln County process. Is finished bourbon actually bourbon? So if you don't know what a finished whiskey is, it's basically where they take a bourbon that was legally bourbon, it's followed all the requirements, it's aged and all of that stuff in a new charred oak container and they dump it out and then they take that juice and they put it in a barrel that used to have something else in it and that's what they call finishing. It's popular to finish whiskeys and you know sherry cask, pork cask, wine cask, rum cask, there's all different types of finishing. And from a legal standpoint, because that is an additive measure, it is legally no longer bourbon. So the question I get asked a lot is, why does it say it's bourbon on the label? Well, the government had to come up with a way to deal with this because it was legally bourbon before it went into the barrel. And what they decided was, consumers are smart enough to understand that if it says bourbon finished in, that they can figure out that they took a bourbon and they put it in a barrel that had X in it. From a legal standpoint, bourbon and straight bourbon are class 101 and class 141 in the regulations. But once you finish a whiskey, not just bourbon, it switches from 101 or 141, and there's other class numbers for the other classifications outside of bourbon, to the general class of distilled spirit specialty class, which is 641. And from a legal standpoint, it is not bourbon, but if it was legally bourbon before they finished it, it's allowed to say so on the, on the label. What's going on, Bourbon Real Talk family? I'm Wes, and I'm here to tell you about how you can get involved in supporting the channel. Now, we get asked all the time, hey man, we love your content. We love what you're doing. We love the knowledge that you're dropping on us. How can we support the channel? Well, here's the way you can do that. Head over to our website, bourbonrealtalk.com, and you can find every single bit of swag that every bourbon lover needs. We've got shirts for him, shirts for her, wee glens, big glens, aroma kits, uh, Glenn Holders. I mean, there's no shortage of good gifts to give to the bourbon lovers in your life. So after the episode, head over to the shop and see if there's anything there that you can pick up for yourself or for a friend. And if not, just enjoy the content that we're putting out. We're just happy to have you as a listener. What is a single barrel select? Well, this is probably the most interesting category of whiskey for the whiskey nerd. And the reason why is because somebody who produces a batched product where they make whiskey, they take a certain number of barrels, they dump them, they mix that whiskey together, they put it in a bottle and they sell it to you. That's a batched product. Um, that company will sometimes find a barrel and think that it's unique or Maybe it tastes like the regular release, but it's just better, right? So they pull that barrel aside so that that uniqueness or that better flavor doesn't get blended out in the batching process. 
and they'll sell that barrel as an individual product. And it's become very popular for liquor stores to do this. Larger bars and restaurants that do a lot of whiskey business will sometimes have a single barrel select. And whiskey clubs love to do single barrel selects. And I've had a lot of people ask me, like, what's that crazy sticker, that silly sticker that's on the back of your bottle? Well, it's become popular for whiskey enthusiast clubs to kind of make their own back label, if you will. And usually you're on a single barrel tasting. Sometimes you go to the distillery, they roll out six barrels, you taste them. And something may happen when you're on the trip. There may be some interesting tasting note that, that sticks out. There may be a play on words with the name of the distillery. And they'll make a kitschy, kind of silly sticker. And we generally refer to those as tater stickers because whiskey enthusiasts are, you know, they, they have eyes, but they don't see sometimes. So they're like potatoes. And I think that's why whiskey enthusiasts that buy whiskey, not based on its flavor, but based on its hype are referred to as taters. And sometimes people will buy a single barrel select simply because of the design of the sticker that the club has released. So that's what a single barrel is. And that's what a tater sticker is. What is Bottle and Bond? Well, Bottle and Bond is a very important part of US history and a very important part of whiskey history. So back in the late 1800s, we had a problem that whiskey was being sold in barrels to what were back then basically pharmacies. Um, and, and you would go in with your own bottle and you'd, you'd fill up your bottle and then you'd be charged for the liquid that you put in it and you went home because Glass wasn't mass produced back then. And too many places were adulterating the whiskey to increase the volume in the barrels so that they could make more money. And sometimes they put things in there that were harmful. And the public started to distrust whiskey. And honestly, that was part of the reason why prohibition got passed in the United States. And there was a group of whiskey producers that were legitimate whiskey producers and they didn't want their whiskey adulterated. And so they came up with this Bottle and Bond Act of 1897. And basically, this was the first consumer protection law of U.S. history. It's the first time the government got involved with manufacturing and said, here's exactly what you have to do to be able to put this you know, label on here so that consumers can know what it is that they're buying. And Bottle and Bond is one of the hardest categories for bourbon to get into. It's got the most rules for its production. And as a result, you get a very clean and consistent product when somebody sells you something that's Bottle and Bond. It's always 100 proof, so it's got some good strength. And it's been made with very strict manufacturing processes. So generally speaking, you can trust Bottle and Bond as a quality product. Is foolproof, cash strength, and barrel proof all the same thing? Um, a lot of people don't realize this, but uh, cash strength and barrel proof, they actually do mean the same thing. And basically, what, what, there's a part of the whiskey manufacturing process that people don't necessarily know exists. When you age whiskey, most of the time, it went into the barrel between 110 proof and 125 proof. And when it ages, it can increase in proof or decrease in proof. But in Kentucky, it usually goes up. And a lot of people don't like drinking whiskey that's 130 proof. And so the producers, after they get done aging the whiskey, will dump it into its batch and then they add neutral water. It's reverse osmosis water that has no minerals. There's no flavor compounds in it. And so they proof it down to the proof that that particular product is supposed to be sold at. 
Okay, so that's what normally happens. If they skip that part of the process and they take the whiskey and put it directly into the bottle without adding any water after aging, that's a cash strength or a barrel proof. But there's this other term that's become popular lately because of um, 1792 foolproof and Weller foolproof are the ones that come to mind. And people believe that cash strength and barrel proof are the same thing um, as, as foolproof, but they're not. Foolproof is when the average proof of the barrels that are in that batch are above the original barrel entry proof. So in the case of 1792, the barrel entry proof is 125 proof. So when they do their batch, if the, if the average turns out to be above 125, they add water to it, but not all the way down to the 90 point whatever proof that the small batch is. They only add water to bring it back down to the original barrel entry proof. In the case of Weller, it goes into the barrel at 114 proof. So as it ages, it goes up. They add water, take it back down to 114. So full proof means original barrel entry proof. Cash strength and barrel proof mean whatever it turns out to be, that's what it is. So if you watch this video and you have a question that didn't get answered, please, please, please throw them in the comments below. Feel free to go to the bourbonrealtalk.com website and submit your question. If you're listening on audio and you want to get home and shoot me an email, it is bourbonrealtalk at gmail.com because we are going to make a part two video. Uh, we know that we didn't answer every question out there from bourbon aficionados, so feel free to submit. And we can play a little game of stump the chump if you want. You can ask me some hard questions. I may have to go do some research. Uh, but if this is the first time that you're watching this show, I would like to welcome you and thank you for the view. I really do appreciate it. And tell you a little bit about our show philosophy. And that is, we do this to help people come together. And part of the impetus for me starting this channel was because I lost a loved one to suicide in 2014. And I started to look for ways to help people feel connected and loved so that they didn't have to feel the way that my brother did when he decided to, to, to take his own life. And at the same time, I started to notice the connective power of whiskey as I got more involved in the community. And it dawned on me that if I can help individuals like you get connected to whiskey, that I can get you connected to a community and you won't feel alone. You wouldn't be able to feel alone because there's so much interaction and so much love and so many people wanting to get together and get to know you and be a part of your life. And so that's part of the impetus for this channel. But as my whiskey passion has grown and I've gotten more and more involved in the whiskey enthusiast community, it's drug me deeper into social media. And the unfortunate downside to social media is the anonymity has caused a lot of the negative side of people's personalities to come out. And I see a lot of people sharing hate online towards people that they really don't know over ideological differences or whatever the point may be. And that caused me to realize that if someone can hate a stranger online that they don't really know, it's just as easy for me to love that person. And that's why I sign off every podcast the same way, and that's this. If you woke up this morning and you were unsure whether or not anyone loved you, just know that I love you. I'll see you next time on Bourbon Road. My five favorite bourbons of all time. And then they like make comments on which ones I picked. I'm like, mother they're my favorites. I don't get to pick which ones I put in here. Right. I didn't choose these because four of them are from Buffalo. I chose them because they're my favorite. Like, what do you want me to do?
you want me to give you my top five favorite of all time that's not my favorite so that I can include your brand, you make your own top five favorite video. Don't come on here talking all kinds of dumb shit to me. Okay. Sound well, music.